Welcome to Future Fuzz, the digital marketing podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the next edition of Future Fuzz, a digital marketing podcast recorded from Hilversum in the Netherlands on a Friday afternoon. This week, I speak to Nick Salfeld, who is the director at Wells Park Communications. In this episode, we speak about freelancing. Nick has been freelancing for 30 years, which is quite impressive. Uh, we talk about how freelancing gives greater opportunities, more flexibility. There are also some risks involved. So Nick gives some really great advice in this podcast. We also talk about the importance of face-to-face -face work and face-to-face -face communication uh, post-COVID. And um, yeah, we really hope you enjoy the show. Nick's got bags of experience. And uh, yeah, thanks for tuning in. First of all, Nick, welcome to Future Files Digital Marketing Podcast. Absolute pleasure to have you on the show today. It's Friday afternoon and we're going, <laughs> we're going old school. We are. We are. We're, I, I don't mind admitting it. We're going old school because it is Friday afternoon and I really haven't put in the effort of uh, looking decent and, um, and I wouldn't want to inflict that on the audience. Fair enough. And I also yeah. like a bit of old school. I am a bit of a podcast purist, as I said before we started, that uh, I do believe podcasts should be videoless. Um, however, in, in the current day and age, you know, podcasts also appear on YouTube and Spotify loves it when you put a video to it. Well, um, I think, yeah. uh, you know, I think digital marketing professionals, they're going to be going jogging in the morning because they're respectable people. And I want to be in people's ear holes early in the morning. <laughs> and uh, but I don't want to be in their eyes early in the morning. So I think we're doing it the right way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, I, I posted today that I've looked into some uh, stats on the podcast and people generally listen on a Wednesday and a Thursday and a Saturday. That's so media. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and I wonder if they're watching, uh, to be honest with you. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and the YouTube podcasts that have done the best, I'm, I'm not really entirely surprising that they've all been female. Um, that have gone beyond, you know, into the hundreds. They've all been female on YouTube. But I think that's the YouTube algorithm getting to it. Yeah, well, thanks for uh, setting me up for success there, mate. Yeah. <laughs> no worries at all. Yeah, um, Nick, yeah. You've got a background in radio, haven't you? Oh, I did many, many years ago. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so so broadcasting was my – it's kind of interesting because we're talking about digital marketing. I mean, so broadcasting was my, my first career, um, and I only gave it up uh, – well, there are two reasons I gave it up. Firstly, I, genuinely, unless you're at the top of the radio game, you don't make any money. It's, it's very sad, uh, but it is the most fun I've ever had. And um, but but I happened to be in radio for sort of 1990 to 1995, and then the internet came along, or at least I met people, um, uh, who, and we were sort of talking about the internet. This is at a time when a quarter of a percent of people were online, uh, and, and so so I got involved with folks sort of founding the first generation of internet companies, um, and and for a digital marketer, the interesting thing there is literally I would have meetings with people who, and they would say, "Cool, this sounds really." exciting what's an email address and that's what it was like in those days so yeah wow. the, the, yeah yeah the concept of digital marketing was it was bonkers and and you know the evolution since then has been extraordinary but yeah my first career was radio and and i started out as a dj and the bit again the there's a sort of been interesting bit that I mean, i'm a lot older now but but i found myself doing uh commercial stuff and i realized that all of my colleagues who are djs kind of hated 
uh, hated the ads and the the, the sponsorships they had to do. Right. And, I, and I thought, this is what puts money in your pocket. This is what pays your bills. And I realized that there is such an important role for for content producers, which is definitely still what I am now, for content producers to understand the mechanics of of the sales process that 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 feeds them. Uh, and, and that's not to say, you know, I am I think there's a huge argument about the whole uh you know have we become too advertising oriented we are you know if 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 everything is free you are the product i absolutely get the issue there uh and one of the reasons i'm so excited about ai and chat gpt uh is that it is a very very rapidly evolving pay model it it delivers real value to anyone who's happy to pay 20 quid a month yeah. and you know so 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 it's the easiest 20 quid i ever spend every month and frankly if that kind of reduces the advertising model and allows us to discover new things that people you know, people are prepared to pay for or integrate into their lives. That's mm-hmm. super interesting as well. Core, cool. that's a really big ramble for the first couple of minutes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but absolutely, ChatGPT is our friend. I mean, that we could do a whole series of podcasts yeah. on the impacts of AI. Like, it's absolutely incredible. Absolutely. Yeah, and the, uh, the one that we've done recently, yeah, we, we, t- we touch on that. Mm. But today, Nick, we're talking about freelancing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it's a really interesting... Um, you know, it's a very interesting topic because it's, you know, it's, it's been pre freelancing been around almost forever. Um, you know, may, maybe would you say that freelancing really started taking off in the eighties, would you say, or maybe yeah, into I mean, the nineties? Yeah, I, I guess so. I mean, if you spoke to, you know, to my um my dad he would he would have been in in the sort of jobs for you know jo- a job is something you have for life kind yeah. of you know category um and, and he, you know i'm 52 years old i you know i'm acutely aware of my own age and mortality these days uh in a way that i definitely wasn't before but like you know even even in sort of my lifetime we've you know uh, my generation would have said ha 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 of course there's no job for life unless you sort of work in the civil service or something but I think even in in my lifetime, things things have changed dramatically. Uh, in that younger people's expectations and demands for what they want from their careers, um, the the kind of timeline has changed. I you know I I I don't. I, I mean, can you imagine? thinking about anything for uh, across a 10-year timeline i can't imagine that at all you know just the sheer s- speed of which things and lives change means mm. that the idea of sort of you know starting on you know day one and uh, eleven thousand days later or whatever it is you retire that's bonkers nobody's going to do that our expectations have changed now interestingly companies expectations have changed too companies need to be more agile uh, and more flexible and they need to operate on a global basis so actually they you know, the, the the needs of the modern workforce has changed the needs of enterprise has changed and so i see us as how as living in a much more so what i call it liquid a much more liquid workforce and i think that liquid workforce is a great value to to enterprise as well so that's why you start hearing about you know portfolio careers for example or meet you know companies that are going to meet the needs of uh, you know women for example who who should who actually deign to want to have children as well and then somehow find a way of returning to work after an extended period during which um they've maybe worked four or five hours around nursery each day etc etc right yeah. so 
you know, the, the need for that kind of flexible workforce, much, much greater than ever before. Also, um, y- you know, younger people are saying, hang on, I want flexibility in terms of where I travel, where I work, how many t- how many days a week I'm in the office. Uh, I want to have uh, workations where I go to a different country for three months of the year, et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, I, you know, I think freelancing is monstrous, you know, massive, massive, massive at the moment. I'm just delighted that I started way earlier on. Yeah, indeed. And you mentioned something there about portfolio freelancing. Mm. What do you mean by that? Well, that's a, just a very posh way of talking about freelancing. So basically, right, so so uh, there are downsides to to this kind of scenario as well, right? I mean, if you freelance, you know, I am, I'm responsible for my own pension. I'm responsible for my own holiday. I don't get holiday pay. I don't get sick pay. All of that stuff. Nobody's saying it's just sort of a doddle, right? And there, and there mm. are plenty of advantages to being uh, in, 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 a, uh, you know, in, in a an ordinary business um and actually the worst side of that is you'll be aware of the you know the gig economy um in which for example uber drivers have had to fight to be recognized um you know as as employees in some respects and there are you know i find it slightly worrying that you know a bloke gets paid 40p or 50p to deliver my pizza on time i was speaking to a courier self-employed courier works for uh you know one of those big ones that leaves your packages in your garden hedge and the reason she has to leave packages in your garden hedge is because she gets paid 35 pence per delivery so unless she's fast unless she races down the road and if there's traffic it's tough tough luck she loses money you know so there are uh, the people at the bottom of of the um uh the the bottom of the gig economy the bottom of the freelance world are really really suffering now portfolio careers stick your bow tie on is the posh bit of that Uh, it's literally that you know it's the same kind of scenario but oh i'm a marketing professional so uh you know i work for six different um, six different enterprise companies. I get you know, paid very, very handsomely for it yes. on a freelance basis. It's literally freelancing, but the posh end of the market. Um, and actually, you know, I think we should all be you know, put in the same pot, to be honest. <laughs> we should all be put in the same pot. You can be a delivery specialist, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 But there is definitely um, scenarios where freelancers in, in, in recent years have been in the profession, the portfolio freelancers, let's call them. Yeah. Um, as we just talked about, is that they get paid a lot of money, but when the market uh, dips and the, the the contracts dry up, it's not uncommon that um, they they've struggled. And I've known some a few people around me that have been in that in that same boat. Um, yeah, that there there are there are risks, there are dangers, but they can be mitigated, right? With good yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, look, so 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 uh, yeah, absolutely, right. Um, it, but so I have a huge argument for freelancing, which I yeah, and I I, I spend a lot of time talking about this, and I, and I would say to 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 your friends and contacts, which is so so there is a natural thing where people think oh jobs are safer right oh if I, if you've got a job you're safer you're much safer whereas oh if you work for yourself oh it's all up to you well of course it's all up to you that's absolutely true but my argument to anyone considering a freelance career is this uh, is, two, is twofold if somebody with their job loses their gig they lose 100% of their income right if mm. i lose one of my clients i lose 
20% of my income, 15% of my income. Um, my, my largest, you know, my largest client is probably 40 to 45% of my income. My smallest clients are little ones that I do half a day a day, a month for, and they may only be sort of, you know, three, 4% of my income. So if I, when I lose a client, the most I'm going to lose is 40% of my income, right? So to my mind, that's a heck of a lot safer than being employed. And there's another reason, right? If you're good at this, which, you know, frankly, with 30 years experience as I am, yeah, I've, I've, I've been employed for two years of my life, freelance for 30. I make it my business to know what's going on in my clients' companies. In fact, it's an important part of my sales process. My mm. job is to provide them with service and to provide them with service. I need to understand what's going on. So actually, when if if things are about to go pear shaped in the business, and as you say, you know, when when we come to a downturn, you start to worry, etc. I'm the first to know about it. I and I I get the signals. I've got my ear to the ground. It's my job to talk to leaders across the businesses that I work for and understand what the you know, state of the of the company is. When companies lay people off, you're the last person to know. You know, you get because I've I've had it. I've been made redundant. You, you know, you're the one who gets carted into a room with ten of your colleagues and get right. told, well, I'm sorry, we're, we're closing this department, etc. You're the last person to know. The HR team and the management and the board and all the rest of it, you know, they, they've done exactly what they're meant to do, but it feels like they've conspired against you. Either way, you are the last person to know. So actually, I, you know, as a freelance, I'm the first to know when things are going wrong. And even if it goes completely wrong, uh, I, you know, I lose 20 whatever percent of my business rather than everything so my mortgage i think is a lot safer than most people's yeah and also when when there are significant redundancies uh, that take often take place in in one foul swoop right especially the larger larger organizations yeah i think we saw earlier in the year that google yeah i mean tech, let, let yeah go. yeah they let go a hell of a lot of people in sales in particular mm. who were on inflated salaries and um they they all flooded onto the market so there's a lot of people coming onto the market and then there may may not be so many jobs in a freelance uh, status you you're, you're a bit more agile aren't you also as a also as a freelance you know whenever there is a downturn uh, and you're absolutely right i mean the decimation in tech is extraordinary at the moment it's to be expected they've kind of over invested in talent over the past couple of years um yeah they've been rich with money for the past couple of years and that yeah this is a, the right sort of correction but um again when when times are tough um that's when companies get rid of in-house staff who they have to pay five days a week and yeah. invest in the flexibility of freelancers so right. for you know for example i you know one of my, my specialist areas is i work with a lot of uh vc funded businesses um particularly tech firms lots of sort of SaaS businesses and um, they come to me and, and and I'm acutely aware that they're on a massive growth trajectory. That's why VCs have invested in them. And there will come a time when they go, Nick, we don't need you anymore. Uh, we've got, we, yeah, we've grown our in-house team enough uh, to not need you anymore. And I'm like, great, that's absolutely fantastic. The last downturn, those companies were the same ones who came back to me and said, you know what, it, everybody's scaling back. Can you do some bits and bobs part time? Yeah. You know, so, so, you know, yeah, that's absolutely the, the, the name of the game. Future First is sponsored by SalesSource, B2B pipeline management and sales growth for your business. Nick, next one. So what? What are the biggest? Of course, because you know this, it's not all not all roses and, and red wine and what have you. Uh, what are the biggest challenges for freelancers? I mean, what should freelancers look out for? So let's let's use an example. One of my very good friends, 
uh, Toby is a spatial senior spatial designer. He's worked in companies for a long time. He's got bags of experience. And earlier this year, he said, right, I'm going out on my own. I'm going to be a freelancer. I'm going to work in with architects and, and what have you. Mm. And he's made the big the big jump and um, very proud of him, posted it on LinkedIn. He got loads of, um, you know, people commenting on that and, and even picked up a lead or two. What advice are you going to give to, to Toby in the early days? <laughs> That's a wonderful question. Um, uh, sorry, my enthusiasm there masks the fact that uh, I don't have a really good answer because I wish it was just simple and you could go follow a formula, it would work. Um, so, so the bad news is, honestly, get used to living on fresh air because it does take time. Um, you know, I'm a great believer and pay it forward so go you know I spent my first year actually never mind first year I've never stopped go out and meet people just constantly go out and meet people and yeah and I mean at networking events and all that sort of stuff and pay it forward build the relationships that will pay back in time and because of that it takes six months I'm still really close friends colleagues everything with people that I met 20 years ago when I first started you know sort of started out as a freelancer um and you know that's why it takes time it's not that you've got to keep banging on doors banging on doors it's about getting out there and by the way post pandemic I you know I'm an old fart and I'm really really pleased that that you know I I still go out and meet people in 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 the real world there is no substitute for it I'm delighted that many of the younger people that I know are saying we are really fed up of being told that this is the end of the office uh, and that I've got to go and sit in my room in my shared house that I that, that I spend with yeah that I share with several yeah. other people you know and I never see an end to these four walls no 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 get out get out back into the office go and meet people um hang out with people yes you know it's those water cooler moments that really matter all that sort of good stuff and if you can't do the office go to go to events um go and check out meet up or whatever else but either whatever you can do you know go and join you know join the gym the club the whatever and make sure you're out meeting people all the time because those those are the investments in contacts that, that really matter. Get used to living on fresh air because it takes six months to do that. Um, and then, uh, right, this is going to get a bit complicated. But I think it's the most important piece of advice that I can give to anybody. Well, almost anybody, almost anybody. Um, I think there is a monster, monster uh, challenge. Um and it's, I call it, nobody seems to talk about this, but yeah, I, I'm going to. Uh, it's the nobody knows what you do problem. And I, and, and, and here's the here's the issue. And by the way, I'm a writer and content producer. This, the degree to which this applies, operates in, kind of depends on, on what you do. But I, I will make this clear. Yeah. As a writer, I, I go, suppose I go and write stuff. You come to me and you go, I've got my website, go and write me some stuff for it. I, yeah, whatever. Uh, piece of collateral whatever it's going to be content marketing um, and I produce you something um, in today's world you know 20 years ago that you know that would have gone to a marketing manager and that marketing manager would have had multiple writers that he used he, and it was invariably he actually unfortunately but either way um, that he used and he would know enough about writing um, to go this is a good piece of work or a bad piece of work right that sort of makes sense now uh, the, you know companies are much much smaller leaner flatter less hierarchical so your marketing manager actually may may not be a content person at all they might, might be a digital data person they might be much more data focused than creatively focused there's no reason that he will know whether my writing is any bloody good at all right and he will only find out once a campaign is launched uh, which may be three six months down the line whether my writing is any good um, the reason I said this doesn't apply to everybody is 
designers or video producers for example are the exact opposite everybody's got a bloody opinion that's why you know every designer has got is, is used to, every designer is used to people going yeah i like it but i, I, I uh, i'm not 100 percent right uh, and they go well what would you change they go, i don't know i just i'm just not quite sure right everyone's had that sort of client as well so designers get it slightly differently but either way as a writer therefore because my client, the person judging my work, does not know whether it's any good or not, or is highly likely not to know, what matters is not what I do, what I write, whether I perform, what matters is how I make them feel, right? It's, okay. it's is this a person, is this freelancer a person who I want in my business, who right. I want there all the time? Did I make them happy? Was I on time? Did I avoid hassle and... Tr did I most of all did i not bloody bring pain and hassle into their lives right yes, yes. if you do, if you deliver you know late it's not you know nobody cares what the reason is you've brought hassle right whereas the person who is reliable charming gets on with the rest of the team delivers on time all that sort of good stuff all the bit around what you actually do oh we didn't need to do 20 sets of revisions i can't even remember what those revisions were but the fact that we didn't have 20 revisions means that that's the guy we want to work with, right? So you want to be the person that everyone wants to work with, not the person who every hit in this world we have today of seamlessness, every hiccup that you bring to somebody's life will be magnified into a bloody good reason why we should try somebody else. Right, right? yeah, because it's so because it's so fluid and so easy to find exactly. someone else. As soon Absolutely. as there's one little hiccup, they'll move on. Yeah, exactly. that's, that's, that's a very good point. So, so it's, it's be yeah. that, yeah, be the person. And then, and then it goes even further. Then, um, uh, then you want to be... Um, you want to become somebody you know, to be indispensable you don't become a provider of services you you become uh, a, a consultant right so uh, and the, a great example of this is video producers if you're into the into the world of video that's a horrible place to, I mean, sorry to be so cruel but video is a horrible place to be because what you what video is about is you go to your client and you go to go give me a brief client there's an invisible line client hands the brief over the line you do your stuff you hand the video back and either mm -hmm good or it's not or whatever but either way there's this line in the middle where it which makes the job transactional whereas you know if you know i try to avoid that transaction line i want to go yeah i'll do that piece of work for you whatever it is but i spend my time going hey where does this fit into the business how how you know what led what decisions led to you wanting this piece of content um you know because then i can advise on is this the right way to go is this what we should be doing in the first place if it's it more collaborative in a way yeah You're having absolutely. a lot more communication it's more collaborative and there's exactly. less chance of misunderstanding as well right? exactly spot on the minute you rely on a brief you know, anyone who goes oh fill in this brief document and then email it back to you no that's how you how you yeah. become transactional and that's I, how things go wrong and how things go wrong yeah. i'm all about saying hey let's have a conversation on the good old phone or zoom or whatever right and tell me about the, where this fits in tell me about the business and 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 that's also my chance face to face to give them confidence that i'm the right person to talk to that I'm yeah you know, I'm really listening into there but I want to ask about their customers I want to ask what you know what roles they're speaking to and all that sort of stuff right so so a brief should be a consultative process it should be a together collaborative process the minute things become transactional bleh, you're just going into here's my product you know and you will forever be paying trans uh, be, be earning transactional fees for it Brilliant, Nick. So let's go back a little bit there because you spoke about working together with people face to face, getting 
you know, back into teams together. Pete, let's say young people working from home in these same four walls and they're sharing an apartment with three other people or what have you. Um, I, I think it's a it's a very, very important topic to talk about because a lot of companies have got rid of their office. Yeah. But now we're seeing that they're moving back towards offices. So I went to Berlin recently. There's one company, they used to have 50 people in an office. Now they're getting rid of the office and they're gonna go to a WeWork. So at least they can meet up a little bit. There's, there's the, there was a huge shift during COVID and now we seem to be sliding into a, a, new, a newer way of working. I, I mean, what is your opinion on that? How important do you feel that that personal contact is? I'm so pleased that that's happening. And and I think it will be good for the the kind of WeWorky workspace community type scenario. I think that's absolutely the right way to go. Um, I, I think, you know, I, I, firstly, there is no substitute for face-to-face relationships. If you bothered to listen this far, um, you know, to this podcast, you, you, you can tell that I'm a reasonably sort of, frankly, over-enthusiastic puppy sort of person. But, uh, you know, I can think of no better skill for anyone to have beyond their core expertise than to communicate effectively with other people uh, and and you know to communicate upwards to communicate with employees to communicate with you know peers folks whatever um, and to spend time just being you know returning to being enthusiastic being curious being interested um you know we we talk about you know, the, the sort of hackneyed phrase of the water cooler moment it's about not just chance interactions it's about bumping up against other people's expertise and other people's knowledge other people's concerns you know even and even in a we work i mean yeah i'm talking to you now from a from a, a workspace i could work from home but i, I choose not to because i can't bear it not yeah. just not just go bonkers but also because actually other people are fundamentally interesting um and, and you're not going to be able to operate effectively sell effectively or understand your client community unless you're actually bumping up against them at some stage um and the idea that you know you can you, you know I, whether it's me as a freelancer or, or frankly the service that i provide you know I, I i help my clients market so i need to think about marketing right so so from me talking to my clients or my clients talking to theirs as enterprises talking to enterprise clients you know you wouldn't it, it, do, do, would you ever just sit around look online for the 10 priorities of, of a particular of your client community no you want to be at the conference yeah. talking to people find you know on the ground understanding where the pain is because otherwise it's just fake it's not real it's not you know we, so, and it, it's really interesting so many digital products have been launched without understanding what the actual use case is you know any listeners to this would be going yeah exactly use cases really matter well why do use cases matter because that's how we th- understand the real nuts and bolts of our clients problems so and to do that you've got to be out there meeting people talking to people a great example i've done loads of stuff um in digitization for folks like the NHS. Um, and healthcare is full of people who've designed digital products without actually understanding what it's like to be a doctor. So you know what? Go out and meet your clients and understand what it's like to be them. Go out and hang out with clients. Go to the conference, speak on that panel, go to the event, have dinner, all that sort of good stuff, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I, I 100% agree with you there, Nick. I, I was uh, having a chat about it with my wife yesterday that I mean, in some sense... The sales process, so doing a lot of B2B sales sales source yeah. for companies, that the sales process, it's fine to have the first introduction calls online, you know, a Zoom call mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. You know, a Google Meet, what have you, and maybe a few emails and what have you. But then I think really 
that at the mid stages of the sales process, that meeting becomes super valuable. It's not always possible to do it because you might be based in Poland and you've got a client in the US, granted. Uh, I've worked with clients for many, many, many years based in the US and I never met them in person. But where there's the opportunity, um, it should always be done. Absolutely. Uh, and, uh, yeah, 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 totally. And and just a sort of really interesting side note to that. Well, not, that not that interesting. Uh, a little side note to that. So as a slight, again, a slightly older, you know, older person, I had a natural sort of antipathy towards Calendly. I didn't like Calendly for ages because I'm, I'm, I'm like, well, hang on, uh, you know, why can't I just ring you up and we, you know, we, we work out a date that suits us and, you know, all of that. And actually... It's calendar is functionally really, really useful. It saves everyone a lot of time. My yeah. a, my antipathy was because just because of my age, I'm on the cusp of that sort of of being older. I'm used to the initial contact being a personal one. Now that that's not standard day to day i've got used to calendly but i still go absolutely you know balls out for for meeting people face to face whether you know and and you know your original question was being back in the office it's the same it's you know it's where you bump up against new ideas uh, against current thinking the challenges that people face day to day all of that good stuff yeah yeah i think um during the covid period actually pre-covid um in the agency that I was running for many years, we agreed to do flexible working where pre-COVID we were doing two days a week in the office and three days working from home. That worked um, and it worked really, really well. COVID came along, everyone was working from home and I thought, okay, well, this is it now. This is the future. We're all going to be working from home or wherever we want to. And then post-COVID, I realised, no, actually, it's a hybrid. It's got to be a mix. Um, You've got to give people flexibility but you've also got to do it face-to-face as well. Definitely. It is. It is going to be flexible, uh, and, and flexible is good in every respect. By the way, I mean, you know, this podcast is about, uh, yeah, your, your podcast is about, in general, is about digital marketing. Look, I spend half, my greatest sort of pitch at the moment is ABM. I do a lot of, you know, account-based marketing. You know, the only mantra of ABM is how do we engage more effectively with people who have better things to do, frankly, right? How do we how do we really put our time and effort into reaching people through multiple lenses and angles? So, mm. you know, uh, and clearly that works because people put a lot of money into it and that's how great enterprise sales happens. Well, none of that would happen if it, you know, I'm sure, yeah, there's a huge digital component to it, but wow, if we didn't spend our time, you know, ABM only works by us spending our time forensically examining uh, the, the nature of the individual's concern in, you know, multiple stakeholders in multiple organizations and if we're going to do that what better way than ultimately leading to actually wanting to meet them you right. know so, you know what <laughs> yeah, i mean so, yeah. yeah so yeah. let's let's not kid ourselves you know yeah. th- 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 this is all about that you know we the the human element is absolutely central to the sales process that will never stop um it's you know it is still people who sell to people we still you know it's it's also why great sales people are consultative and terrible sales people are you know, a greasy, you know, all that sort of stuff. It's it's still all about the human touch, and and that's not going to go anywhere. Love it. I've met a few greasy salespeople in my time. Oh, don't yeah, finish yeah. on that. Don't finish on that, mate. <laughs> I'm joking. Well, I'll tell you what. One thing I will finish on. I think you made one slight error. Oh, you said at the beginning of the podcast, you said if you go into radio, you can't, you know, it, it, you can't get rich. It doesn't really pay the bills in radio. Well, just look at Alan Partridge. He's oh, a multi-millionaire. I mean, you know, a great role model for us all. I do love the fact that the one of the best paid, like, radio presenters of all time, uh, Alan Partridge, 
is is a fictional character doesn't actually exist you know. had it, even went on to TV had his own TV show as well got paid the, mega bucks the awful thing about Alan I mean you know one of the finest bits of satire ever the awful thing about Alan Partridge is that everyone in radio A knows an Alan Partridge and B is petrified that it's themselves right yeah. that is cracking right that's a better note on which to finish Nick thank you very much for coming on the podcast it's an absolute pleasure I oh, really appreciate your time really a lot of fun thank you Thanks for tuning in and making the choice to listen to this podcast. If you liked what you've heard today, please don't forget to subscribe.